0: Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Good Good Judgment Judgment podcast.
1: Podcast. Folks, this is a podcast that's purpose is for Georgia judges or anybody else who might be interested in what goes on in the courtroom. Please understand that we are Georgia focused, meaning that we're going to focus our attention on issues that arise under Georgia law. But occasionally we will get into some subjects of common interest. And we really appreciate you folks listening.
0: And as we go to the studio audience, we ask, please hold your applause till the end. All right. Now to the studio.
1: Hey, folks. Welcome back to the Good Judgment Podcast, and I'm Wade Padgett. I'm Tane Kell. And today, Tane, we have a return visitor. Yeah, an FOP, friend of the podcast. Judge Keith Wood from Cherokee County. He's the probate judge in Cherokee County. And he joined us to discuss something that we don't know a lot about, Tane.
0: Yeah, particularly me. Uh, you know, uh, I know that you have a a weapons carry license, but I actually have a weapon, but don't have the license. So uh, I, he he's he's going to tell me a whole lot of things about how I get one of those.
1: Folks, welcome again to the Good Judgment Podcast, and and enjoy this conversation with Judge Keith Wood. Tane, we have a a return guest. I think we've had a couple, but not many. Judge Keith Wood from Cherokee County Probate Court is here with us. Yeah, an FOP, friend of the podcast. Welcome, Keith. Glad to be here. So, Tane, I wanted to talk to Keith and I guess talk through you too, Keith, because, you know, my wife's a probate judge, and I know it's the best Judge Padgett I understand. She's,
0: yeah, absolutely.
1: So we talk all the time about these weapons carry licenses. And for whatever reason – Superior court judges, we have an obligation to ask defendants in criminal cases whether they have a weapons carry license. And if they do, we're supposed to give notice to the probate judge who either initially issued it or last issued it. And I don't really know. I mean, I have one. Do you have one, Tang? No, I I don't have one, Wade. But I do have a gun. Well, but see, people will ask you all the time, you can't have a gun unless you have a license. Right.
0: And so those, yeah, those are some of the things we want to cover with Judge Wood today, just some of the general topics about how you get a license, what that license means, that sort of thing, right? Right.
1: So, Tane, let's, let's, let, you want to play pretend? I love to play pretend. You know that. Wade. Let's pretend you walk up to the counter in Cherokee County. Let's pretend you're a resident of Cherokee County and not Cobb County, okay? Okay. All right. You walk up to the counter and you've decided you want a weapons carry license. All right. And then I'll just, go. I'll sit quietly in the background and just narrate. And Keith, you pretend like
0: you're working at the counter. Like I know you always do as a probate judge in, <laughs> in you Cherokee actually County. would
2: be surprised how often <laughs> that
0: happens <laughs> uh, during COVID. Nothing surprises me. So, uh, all right. So, so let's do this. I'm, I'm coming up to the counter because do, 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 it's, you know, it's a nice sunny afternoon and I say, hi, uh, I do not have a gun license, And it's my understanding that this is where I come to get a gun license. Is that right? 100%.
2: We are the authorized issuers of weapons carry licenses for the state of Georgia.
0: And I like to think, Judge Wood, that that is because uh, the legislature thinks the very most of probate court judges, because anytime they can't figure out what to do with a particular thing, they assign it to probate court because they have such confidence in you. Is Is that in fact true? I, you know, this is a
2: deja vu moment. I think we had this conversation sometime back, but it does feel a little bit like if if we can't think of one place to put something, we'll put it with the probate judge.
0: Well, they always do an excellent job. So so I come to the counter and I inquire about said gun license. Um, what's the first thing that happens? What, 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 do, what do people in your office need from me in order to issue me a license to carry a gun?
2: Well, in my office and in different offices handle these different ways, but in my office the first thing we're going to ask you is if you have an application because there's a standard application that everybody submits when they apply for a weapons carry license. It's a form that's approved by the Department of Public Safety and it's when it was created it was a part the probate judges had a part in kind of making sure all the right questions were in there. So that's the first thing we're going to ask is do you have an application? And what, actually, kinds of things,
0: what kind of things is that application going to ask me about? Is it my background, my history, what sorts of things? It's going to
2: ask you, you know, personal information such as name, address, because one thing you have to do is you have to live in Cherokee County to apply in Cherokee County. So it's going sure. to make sure you're actually a resident in Cherokee County. And then it's going to go through a bunch of yes or no questions having to do with uh, things that would prohibit you from getting a license. So it'll say, are you a, you know, and I'm, I'm making this very brief as opposed to the application, what it says, but are you a felon or have you ever oh. committed domestic oh. violence? Questions like
0: that, just to make sure that, you know, you know that you can uh, obtain a license. Okay. So let's assume I, uh, I filled out my application and I've I've answered all the questions appropriately. Uh, what what do I have to do then? Is there is there some cost that I have to pay? Is there something like that?
2: Right. So when, when people apply in our license, we get the application, we get a form of photo identification, like a state-issued identification, driver's license, okay. uh, Georgia identification card. And that's just to, again, verify that they're actually a resident in our county. And then we collect the cost for that. Um, in our office, the cost for a, a a new applicant, which is what you would be considered because you don't currently have a license, mm-hmm. is seventy eight dollars and twenty five cents. Okay. And that, and I can kind of give you a real quick rundown on what that consists of. Yeah, sure. Uh, if you're interested in knowing, of course. The the cost itself, it's it's um, for the probate court, it's thirty dollars. Then there's a five dollar fingerprint fee, and then there is a the uh, the GBI fee, which is most of that cost, which is forty three dollars and twenty five cents.
0: Okay, and 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 I'm assuming that the reason for that cost is that somebody at some point in time is going to check GCIC or NCIC, Georgia Crime Information Center or National Crime Information Center records uh, to do some sort of background on me. Is that right?
2: Correct. So when anybody has not had a weapons license before, uh, or they've they've had one before but it's been so long since they've um renewed it, we have to fingerprint them or we have okay. to have them fingerprint. It depends on the office because different offices do it different ways. In my office we actually do the fingerprinting in-house. So we collect the we collect the 43 dollars and 25 cents as a part of that. And that's the cost to roll to do the fingerprints. Okay. To do the okay. fingerprint based check. Mm-hmm. And that's a cost that goes to
0: the GBI. Okay. And then and then if 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 I haven't had that done already, I haven't gone to the sheriff's office or somewhere else to get a fingerprint like in some counties, um right. then you're actually going to going to roll my finger my fingertips in ink and uh, and put them on a card?
2: Oh, thank heavens no. Um and I, <laughs> every oh,
0: everything Oh man, you done. just you just crushed my dreams cuz I've watched all these cop shows where, you know, we get that that ink all over the fingers. I mean, oh well. Not even, what do you do? I, I,
2: I'm not sure that GBI would accept uh, cards anymore. <laughs> Probably, we not. do it. We do it electronically on what's called a live scan machine. So we roll it on a piece of glass, and it's a computer that that captures those prints, and then you submit them electronically. Now so you don't me, have
1: to. This you, is your narrator butting into your to this lively uh, narrative. Let me ask you this, Keith: in COVID, how? my experience with people taking fingerprints is that they struggle sometimes with rolling their fingers. I mean, that's just a struggle. Uh, Do you touch people? I mean, are y'all that close to one another? uh,
2: Yes. So we tried at the outset when the COVID stuff first started and we started, we resumed doing applications again. uh, The first thing we tried to do was to do it a hands-off. In other words, just to direct people. Okay. Put your thumb up there. Now roll it. Put your finger up. You know, It it didn't work. You just can't do it. We are still just having to roll people's hands by grabbing their hand and then rolling it onto the glass. We're wearing masks. We're wearing gloves. We're covering ourselves in hand sanitizers. We're wiping down equipment. Uh, But we are up close and personal.
1: And you have one machine that does this in your office, or do you have several where you can just rotate around? No, we just have the one machine so you wait, also, I
0: just I, wait i just want you to understand what great restraint i used there not to sing a chorus of reach out and touch somebody's hand i just i just want you to understand that
1: i'm so relieved and so are our listeners um okay so keith then you also have to take a picture of this person right because the card that i have had a they didn't use my driver's license picture or whatever they have a new picture
2: Right. So there's the, the in order for us to print the license, we have to capture a picture and we have to capture a signature. Both of those are devices that are attached to our uh, machine and it's through a company called PASP that does the uh, that actually prints the licenses. So, so when people come in, we enter and enter their information into the back computer, take their picture, capture their signature as well.
0: Are there are there portrait photographers at least as good as the ones at the Department of Driver Services? Um, <laughs> it's like a glamour shot kind of thing, right? Yeah,
2: yeah you not really you great. in a
0: nine millimeter.
2: The number of times I've heard "Oh my God, that makes me look like a criminal" uh, is too many to count.
1: Not a great picture. Does everybody do all the probate judges in Georgia use the same system? They they use the same system to create the card. Yeah. What about uh, the? But they don't all fingerprint. No,
2: not every probate court does that, and there's kind of a different level, different levels. I mean, some courts. And we haven't really talked about the NICS check yet, but some courts, all they do is take the application and then send people out to the sheriff's department, typically, um, to do the the rest of the process, which is the fingerprints and uh, what's called the NICS check, which we're required to run on all applications as well, both new and renewal. So tell us what that is.
1: What's the NICS check?
2: So a NICS check is if you were, say you wanted to go to a gun store and buy a gun. Uh, and you didn't have a Georgia weapons carry license, what they're going to do is they're going to conduct an instant background check on you. That's a NICS check. Essentially, we do the same check uh, in our office, which is through the GCIC terminal, through the GBI. And So you run a, a background on someone to make sure that there are no uh, no issues out there that, that would be a problem through NICS. So if they had a like a protective order, domestic protective order, or if they were... Um, a fugitive, or if they would have been dishonorably discharged, some of those things will show up in a NICS check. Does, that doesn't show up in a fingerprint
1: check. Does that show up like if you had been ever been committed or anything like that?
2: Correct. So, like in Georgia, if you have a guardianship over you, um, that should now show up in the NICS check as a person who has been, um, it, it, the term they use is mentally defective and that that that's the term in the, the in the um in the federal code uh, but that shows up in the uh, the next chapter
0: well, and and the great thing is I can conveniently get a guardianship over myself right there in probate court. So just another service, right, one stop shopping. Sir. I know it's it's amazing. It's amazing. Well, okay. So so I come up to the counter. I give you my money. We do the fingerprint check. I have my application all filled out. It it all appears to be okay. And I and 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 the either the next check or the GBI check both or they both check out. Everything's good. So so then what happens in the process? So in and our check, office what happens, and my check doesn't bounce that's another big thing.
2: <laughs> that's why we don't take checks. Good idea. Really Credit card idea. cash only. Okay. When when we run the when we run the fingerprint checks and we run the nix checks what we're doing is we're getting a we're getting a background. Uh, a couple of things can happen. If we get if you're hopefully your background will be fantastic and I probably wouldn't ever see that. What would happen in that case is the um we would submit the, the information to PASP, which prints the cards, to print the card. What happens then is they print the card and they do it in batches of a week. So every Monday, we're getting a box of, of weapons carry licenses. Monday or Tuesday, just depends on what day it gets there. Okay. Once we get those, of course, we have to sort through all those, make sure they're not defective because that does sometimes happen. Record the information in our case management system. Uh, sync the card up with the application so that we make sure we got you know everything there and then we have to mail it out to the people whose card it is we do the mailing out we does it doesn't go through pasp so that the card comes to us and then we have to we have to sort it uh as associated and then mail it out
0: and I assume that's a little bit of a, of a double check as well, just to make sure that people who have applied have gotten the the card and that sort of thing uh, from your office's standpoint.
2: Right, because normally when you're going through there and you're getting those cards and you're associating them with the application, you're making sure you've got an application for a card or a card for an application. So it right. is it is the way on the back end of making sure everything syncs up.
1: All right, so you talked about getting the NICS check back and the GCIC uh run I guess back the results back is that instantaneous well the
2: the fingerprint check usually comes back fairly quick I mean in, in most cases we have that within a day or so the Nix check it's instantaneous in the sense that once you run it you're getting the information now obviously we don't it would be difficult for us to run them every day, especially right now because we're doing between 50 and 60 applications a day. So what we typically do is two days a week, I have a clerk that's running background checks. And so we're we're doing it in batches of 100 to 150
1: at a time. Do you have right. a time limit by which you have to either give the card or tell them they're disqualified?
2: The statute says we have to, A, we have to, we have to perform those checks within five days of us um, taking the application. We have to submit it. So, like for us, it's easy because we're doing it ourselves. You know, for other agencies that are sending it to the sheriff's department, you have to send that within this set period of time. Once I get all that in- information back, the statute says I have ten days to either issue it or do something with it. Uh, you know, for in most cases, that's issuing it. Fortunately. Uh, most people don't have a history that, or they don't have a history that I need to be concerned about,
0: or or they don't come up to your counter and ask for a permit if they have a history, which is also, I guess, they're 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 self-sorting in that in that sense.
2: Um, okay, I'd be not, amazed that's not, at, at that's the not 100% number.
0: True, that's that's great.
1: But Keith, I mean, if you if you take fifty or sixty a day, if you could just, I, I guess, guesstimate an average. Are you approving ninety percent of them? Are you approving seventy five percent of them? Eighty percent of them?
2: My experience is in a given week. Well, let's let's take in a given day. If I have fifty applications, I'm probably there's probably um, fifteen of those that have some sort of criminal history. Maybe more, maybe less. And then those I'm going to sort through and, you know, sometimes it's just a thing that's a toss off like it's a DUI, which is not a problem if it's an old enough DUI. I would say of, of 50, I'm approving probably 48 to 49. Um, those two that I'm not approving, I may ultimately approve, but they might have to do more work, because there might there might be a charge on there that's going to require me to get additional information. The biggest one being if they, if it's a like a simple battery charge, I have to figure out who the victim is.
0: So, so one of the things people need to take away from this is uh, no matter where they go, essentially, no matter what county they're in, they shouldn't expect to walk up to the counter, fill out an application, hand you some money, get their photograph taken, and walk away with a permit. Is that is that fair to say?
2: Well, that's correct, and I mean for us, you know, it's not just it's not just. The application process its not just the background checks it's it's all the back end stuff that you have to do, I mean once you once you've approved it you've got to submit it to a printer again they run those batches in in week in a week so if if you apply in a week and it gets submitted that week you may get it next week but it may be 2 weeks just depending on when it gets sent to the printer it's not a it's not an instantaneous thing it's not like we're printing the licenses ourselves
0: so it's not like when i go into the driver's license uh, the DDS office, and they hand me a paper temporary license to go out and, you know, drive a car on, uh, I, you know, as a as a consumer, as a member of the public, I got to wait till I get that license before I, you know, go out and start packing my heat. You
2: you do. And, I, I you know, we get asked that question a lot when people come in if they've not had a license before. We hand them their receipt saying, okay, here's your receipt saying that you've applied. And they go, okay, does this mean I'm good to go
0: and go carry my gun around? Well, no, it's just a receipt. You've got to wait till you have the actual license. Well, when we get through that, so I get through that whole process. I've come into your office, we've done all the things that I said. Uh, you've told me, okay, you know, you'll you'll receive your license in the mail, uh, you know, within a week or, or, or two. and uh, And I get that license in the mail. So, uh, with the disclaimer that you know your results may vary uh, from county to county, but um, what exactly does that entitle me to do? I mean, what what's the what's the value of the license that you issue to me there?
2: there there's actually at least in my mind there's two different values to it. Number one is because we conduct that NICS check, our license is an alternate permit for allowing people to not have to go through the instant background check if they want to go buy a a a firearm so you have that benefit if you if you go to buy a weapon you have that license you show it to them it's still a valid license uh, you don't have to have the instant background check so that's you know a benefit for people that certainly that you know purchase weapons uh, fairly frequently sure the other benefit is in georgia you can't carry a, a firearm on you either opened or concealed uh, unless you have a Georgia weapons carry license, of course, that it, it does have its limitations. You can't, even with that license, you can't carry it everywhere. In other words, you're not going to be able to get to the courthouse with it, uh, barring you being some exception
0: to that rule. But and, and there's that's, that's, you simply can't go. And that's important. I mean, people need to familiarize themselves with the statute because there are a lot of exceptions, and th- not a lot, but I mean, there are exceptions in the statute that say, hey, even if you have this license, it's not. You know, you can't carry it everywhere under every circumstance, and so it, 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 there are limitations that people need to familiarize themselves with.
2: Well, I think there's also a, a little bit of a misunderstanding that people think they have to have this license to have a gun in their home or or their vehicle. It's, wait, wait, wait. Of those so places.
1: we're about to ha- we're about to answer the question: Is Tane currently violating the law
0: <laughs> so by I not having a gun. license? Right, exactly. I have a gun. I have a handgun. And I don't have no uh, I license. Have, I have a bunch. I have a bunch of license. We don't need no stinking license. Um, <laughs> we, um, so so I have a gun, and um, and I keep it in my home, okay, mm-hmm. for, for home protection. I don't need the license in order to keep it in my home. Correct. But if I want to strap that thing on my hip like Wyatt Earp and uh, walk around uh, – Merchants Walk Shopping Center with it. And they love that, by the way, if you if you want to walk around Merchants Walk Shopping Center in East Cobb with a with a gun on your hip. Um, But if I want to do that, I've I've got to have license, correct? Correct. Correct. Yeah.
1: All right. I've got like 20 questions here because, you know, I live with a probate judge. And so I hear a lot of stuff. Let let, let me go all the way back. No, boy. So (laughs) we have 159 counties. Every one of them has a probate judge. All of them are under that same statute, obviously, about the w- within 20 days or whatever the, the, the statute says about when they must either accept or reject the license or issue the license. They don't all use the same system. Some of them send people to the sheriff's office to have the, the fingerprints rolled. Does the sheriff's office submit the background check to, to GCIC and then you get copied on it or do they send the card back to you and you have to do it?
2: What the way I understand it, again, I'm not I'm not in that boat, but my understanding is is when you go when you go to the sheriff's office to get fingerprinted, they're going to submit the fingerprints to the GCIC. I don't think GCIC will take a fingerprint card. So they're going to be digitally submitting those fingerprints to the GCIC and then they would get a report back. That they would then forward to the probate court.
1: So you get a report back from GCIC on all the the people you ran in your office. Say yesterday, I mean, the fifty people Mm -hmm. you did yesterday. Mm -hmm. Do you all get? Do you get any sort of analysis of that record, or do you just get the record?
2: I just get the record. I don't get an analysis. I mean, there might there might with with the next check they'll sometimes have a note. Very rarely it'll say disqualification for a firearm. Uh, but even that's not 100% accurate because I've, I've had those where it says that, that they're not actually disqualified. It's just because the information isn't complete.
1: So if somebody has something on their record, you mentioned a DUI, and that's not a disqualifier, mm-hmm. but somebody's going to have to go through that record wh- where it, it normally, if there's no record, it says something like no record on file or something like that. But if there's something on there, you or somebody in your office has got to do the initial clearinghouse to say, is this potentially a disqualifier? Correct?
2: Correct. So in my office, anything, if there's anything that's out of the ordinary, if there's something other than there's no record, I'm looking at it to make sure that it's something that is not an issue.
1: You mentioned a while ago that if somebody had a simple battery you'd have to find out who the victim was what's that about i mean if i had a bar fight when i was in college and i'm if if (laughs) i'm a lover not a fighter um and now i am 50 something years old doesn't that roll off my record judge i mean it only stays on for seven years right
2: (laughs) yeah i heard that a lot i heard that actually with felonies too so yeah no it does not uh, it, and it's th- the, the problem is not necessarily. It, it can be a problem if there's no disposition. The problem is, is a criminal history isn't going to tell you who the victim is. So you can have a simple battery charge. And I'm not going to know whether it was a bar fight or it was your spouse.
1: So why do you care? Does it? Ma- why does it matter who the victim is? They're all misdemeanors.
2: The, the reason it matters is, is because Georgia, as a prohibitor to getting a license, you can't, you can't be a person that it cannot. Own or possess a firearm, according to the the FBI or the ATF. That's the that's why you do the NICS check. So if you have a simple battery, that's a federal prohibitor. Uh, But only if it's domestic. domestic.
1: domestic But only if it's domestic.
2: Only if it's domestic, and only if it's some domestic members. So Georgia has a family a family violence statute, so you can get simple battery family violence act but there are people that fall under the Georgia Family Violence Act that don't fall under the federal statute. And the the example I always use is if I punch my mother, that's not, for the federal purposes, that's not a domestic violence. That's not a misdemeanor crime of domestic violence. However, it'd be a simple battery family violence in
0: Georgia,
1: but it wouldn't be a problem. So so if you hit your mom, which... We'll we put aside, again. Yeah, don't hit your we, mom.
0: Absolutely not. I didn't say on, I was for on it. On the Good
1: Judgment podcast, we do not advocate <laughs> violence against women. We're not for We're against it. We are um, against it vocally. So, so if you were to hit your mom, it would be a domestic violence charge under Georgia law, but it would not be a disqualifier? Correct. All right. Tain and I have this all the time. We are sentencing somebody and the DA will go through their prior record and they will tell us the defendant was arrested in 2002 and charged with burglary, but there's no disposition. Mm -hmm. So if you see a felony that all felonies are disqualifiers, correct? That is correct. Unless they,
2: unless they've pled under first offender or they've been barred.
1: Okay. So if you get a, um, If you get a burglary with no disposition from 18 years ago, do you have an obligation to go find out if that what happened with that case? Or do you just say, well, I don't have a disposition. Carry on. I believe I have an
2: obligation to find out what happened to that charge,
1: because if I issue
2: a license to a person that's a convicted felon, I think that causes me problems.
1: So do you go find it or do you send them, do you send them a notice saying, Hey, this thing needs to be cleared up. That's on you.
2: My, my habit is to notify the applicant that they, there is an issue with their history that we'll need to clear up before I can clear the license.
0: Okay. So, so they get a notice and you tell them a- a general idea of what it is and then they can go fix it if they can correct
2: i'll let them know specifically you know this is a a burglary charge which is indicated as a felony there's no disposition um go forth and discover it
1: how long do you give them to do that as long as i mean what if it was in you know back when they went to school in another state and uh, they don't have those records handy anymore because because we said 18 years ago what if it was 28 years ago do you do you give them sort of unlimited amount of time, or is that a per judge analysis?
2: I, I think that's a per judge analysis. I mean, I, I'm typically try to give them. I try to be, you know, reasonable and let them have the opportunity to try to get that information. I mean, I've had charges from the early '60s where I've had to get dispositions on,
0: and that's, that's the you cell not you. Know, you some no, well, not well, not me. But yeah, because all those charges rolled off your record, and you're so young.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> I mean, the one I think of—I'm just the here to create was, confusion among our listeners. That's all <laughs> I'm here for. <laughs> it's just that I,
2: the one I think about is the guy that was the moonshiner. So he, you know, he had federal charges from the early '60s for that. No wow. disposition, so he had to go to the federal court, and they had to go into the archives to get the information.
0: Is right. I peh- perhaps related to him? Because <laughs> that is a real possi- strong possibility. All Neeshine, right. North Georgia, so, possible.
1: Tane, let's switch roles. Yeah. Because I do have a license. You and, do indeed. And they expire. How long are these licenses good for, Keith? They're good for five years. So if I realize that mine is coming up for expiration, I know there's some rules about you can only do it within so many weeks or months of it expiring and you have a grace period of so many weeks or months.
2: Right. Right. So in, in normal non pandemic times, it's a 30 day, 30 day after the expiration, you have to renew it.
1: Could I renew it at three years into it? I mean, or do I can, do I have to wait until like 90 days out or what?
2: The, the, the statute says you renew it either 90 days before or up to 30 days after.
1: That's a lucky guess. Now, you said pre-pandemic. What, what's the deal with what's different during the pandemic?
2: There, there were some extensions that were put in place, uh, specifically the governor's emergency orders, which are still in effect now, extended that, extended that renewal time to 120 days. We're still under that right now until, in other words, if your license expired during that period of time, you had 120 days. And I think that goes for maybe another week or two,
1: unless he extends it further. All right. So I show up now and I've got my license and I say, Hey, here's my license. It's expired or going to expire next week or whatever. Am I paying you the 70, whatever dollars and 25 cents to, to get a, um, get it renewed? No, if
2: you're doing a renewal, the only cost is the, the application fee, the $30 fee. We don't rerun fingerprints again. All we do is on renewals. We, we do the picture and the signature again, but we don't roll fingerprints. We just do the next check. Um,
1: and that's pretty much about it. All right. So what if I'd gotten arrested? What if I'd gone on a late life crime spree and gotten arrested during that five years, you wouldn't know it.
2: I, I wouldn't know it unless somebody told me about it. Right. But the next check wouldn't show up out that I, well, that's not true. I mean, I, it, up to the point where I run the next check, I'm not going to know about sure. it. When I run the next check, I do pull those. We do pull those histories again.
0: Unless conscientious Judge Wade Paget, when he's sentencing said fellow, uh, says, have you ever had a, a concealed carry or or weapons carry license? And he says, yes, I have. And it was issued in Cherokee County. And Judge Paget says, well, I'm going to let Cherokee County know about that. And uh, and then your clerk sends a little notice, right, Wade? And uh and, and, and I wish it was my clerk. Alerts.
1: It's your boy right here. In, in, in our in our jurisdiction, I fill out the form and I try to get somebody <laughs> to make me a copy.
0: You, you like lick a stamp yeah. and put it on the envelope and everything.
1: All right. Wow. So, so hold that for one second. Let's finish this because I do want to come back to that because for Superior Court judges, we are interested in what you're doing. When we have to do this thing, what do you do with sure. it? So, so on the renewal, so you don't have – a you do have to run a nix check so that's not instantaneous you can't just hand me a hand me a new license with a new date on it right. do you have to run new pictures and stuff
2: we I, the, in theory I guess we could capture and use the old picture we typically run new pictures unless there's some reason not to um, but we do I mean there is ability to get a temporary license on the renewal which I guess I should probably mention if the if the license is is if you have a license, it's going to expire. It may be a little bit before you get your new license. We can issue what's called a temporary license that holds you over until you get your new one. All
1: right. And then so is it the same once a week getting the renewal uh, licenses printed too, assuming you don't have any problem with the next check?
2: Right. The only difference really is the fingerprints. I mean, the process after that, once, you, once you've taken the application and once you, you know, run the next check everything is in the same pot at that point okay you're you're reviewing the histories and you're submitting it to print
1: all right so listen now let's go to the superior court question tame was asking we defendant is entering a plea of some sort or being sentenced in any way and we find out they have a weapons carry license and they tell us that it was issued by X county or they used to have one. It was issued by the county. He doesn't know. The defendant is unaware whether it's expired or not. I mean, sometimes that happens. I have a form that basically says, Joe Smith, this date entered a plea. And he says he has a license, a weapons carry license through you. Have a nice day, Wade. I don't know what you do with that. I don't know if I'm supposed to send you that. If he has a first offender sentence, I don't know if I'm, what, what do you do with that? Well, I,
2: from my perspective, I just want the information, and then I can sort through whether it's a problem or not. Um, if it is a problem, what we do is we let the person know that their license is being revoked, give them notice that that it, because of this this charge or this conviction that they're being revoked, their license
1: is being revoked. Do you do they have to come bring it to you, the license itself, or I mean, so if they're well, wanting- I- <laughs>
2: yes that's what i want them to do uh, i guess that there's always a question of am i going to send the sheriff out to collect licenses i haven't done that yet because one of two things usually happens either if it's in my in my county i've seen judges collect a license in court oh then, I, yeah oh, I, I do that i it. say do, yeah. you,
0: do you have it <laughs> and if they yeah, say yes me, i say let me hold can it. i can i yeah. can i have it <laughs> right exactly. just
1: like a driver's license exactly so, there is a misconception that I think weapons carry licenses are available instantaneously, that that it's a matter of me um, writing on a paper, handing you some money, and you putting a, something like a notary seal on or something and handing me back a license. I think there is a huge misconception that that's what's involved. And I hopefully today, we've been able to let people know that it's a little more to it than that.
0: <laughs> and and that's that's a good thing. I mean, you're there's a lot that goes on behind the scenes that you've told us about today. So there's one last question or one, one other question I wanted to know. It from my understanding, there are actually two different types of licenses that get issued. There's a carry license. And a concealed carry license. Am I right about that, or is there one license that allows you to do both?
1: Dude, are you, are, there, you there. are you asking all the questions that have come up that are just bizarro questions?
0: Yeah, absolutely. There, there is only one license.
2: We have one license, the Georgia weapons carry license, and it's for carrying it open or
0: concealed. Excellent,
1: Keith. We um, not trying to to sort of wrap this up on a on a down note, but there have been a number of probate court employees and judges who have been ill with COVID and are unfortunately passed away during as a result of COVID. Um, this is probably the most up-close and personal function a court does in Georgia that I'm aware of. I mean, you know, Obviously, sheriff's offices are, are different, but from a court standpoint, I don't have to – none of my people have to touch anybody – The sheriff's office may, but, but we don't have to, is this, has this been hard? I think it's been, it's been difficult in
2: the sense that, you know, as a, as a probate judge, I mean, you're, you're, you know, you deal with the public all the time. You want to offer every service you have available. Uh, But at the same time, I mean, I have a staff of people that I think the world of that I want to, you know, keep from getting sick. And so there, you know, there's been it's, it's been a struggle for us to try to balance those two interests. Uh, and right now, I mean, I know a number of probate court do, probate courts do it this way where they schedule appointments, but that's for a number of reasons. Number one is because a lot of us are under orders from our superior court judges to limit the number of people you have in your office, uh, limit how you do stuff but it also gives us the opportunity to make sure that we're kind of keeping things clean and, and doing it the safest way possible. If we got to do it, we need to do it the safest way possible.
1: Most of your lobbies, I would imagine won't accommodate a large number of people waiting to, to do their business. I mean, you probably don't have a, an auditorium sized lobby where <laughs> you can socially distance people.
2: No, we don't. And, and we, the, the way we've had to, to do it is we basically had to reconfigure our office um, to basically create an ex, an, a, a different entrance just for weapons licenses. And so we do that almost like out of a back door in order to allow us not to have them up front with the other people, because if we had everybody in one place, it would just be two people. I don't have that big of an office.
1: Keith, Alice, sorry, the other Judge Paget, my wife, They have the ability to let people fill out the applications online so that when they show up, I mean, they've got to come personally do it. They can't do all this remotely. But when they when they show up, it's already printed. They're not having to go out in the hallway and use a pen and, you know, get their their documentation done. Is that universal or is that something unique for Columbia County?
2: It's not, I don't think it's universal. I mean, I've not polled other judges to see how they do it. I know with us, I mean, we have the application in like a fillable PDF format on our website so that people can fill it out and then print it at home and then come in with it already filled out so that they're not, just like you say, standing in the hall writing on on an application. Does everybody do that? No, of course not. Um, but for the most part, people do. And that does save us a little bit of hanging out in the hallway time.
1: Well, Tane, I know you're, you're always the the guy full of questions. Anything else you have for Judge Wood?
0: Yeah. Do you guys give a discount if somebody comes in and gets a marriage license and a gun license on the same day? (laughs) Because it seems appropriate to get both at the same time to me. I, you know, I,
2: I've only heard that joke a million times. I, I
0: know, but we haven't told it once on the Good Judgment <laughs> Podcast yet. Well, what's funny is, it, back in the
2: good old days, before things went haywire, we used to do marriage licenses and then they were called firearm licenses at the same window, uh, and so nice. the sign would say marriage license, firearm license. And we would we would hear that often.
0: Well, see, in my case, it would be a lot more likely to get a guardianship and a gun license <sighs> at the same time. So. Yeah, but uh, no, this is great. And I, I shout out to to my probate judge Kelly Walk, greatest probate judge in all of Cobb County. Uh, and uh, but no, you guys have done an amazing job during COVID because of all the offices. I mean, really, immediately you guys had to figure out how to do what you do and then stay open and you know deal with the public. And uh, so yeah, I, I mean, we really commend you for uh, for the way you figured it all out. And uh, at, at no at no small risk you know, to you and the people in your offices. Uh, And I mean that sincerely. So uh, we appreciate that.
2: Well, I mean, and I will say, I mean, this was a a lot of this was the leadership of our council, including Judge Walk, who was the president of our council and Judge Hudson, who was before her, who had to try to figure all this out and how we were going to be able to do this. So we were, we were very fortunate in our leadership.
1: Well, Judge Wood, we really appreciate you taking the time to uh, educate us on the Good Judgment podcast with that, we're going to sign off. I'm Wade Padgett. And I'm Tame Kel. And remember, practice
0: safe podcasting.
1: Thanks for listening to the Good Judgment podcast. This podcast was originally the brainchild of Mr. Doug Ashworth, who is the executive director of ICJE.
0: Special thanks to the University of Georgia College of Law, and specifically to Mr. Jim Henneberger.
1: Thanks to Mr. Steven Turner and his company, Turner Up Media, for editing out as much of our stupidity as he can.
0: But he can't get it all. We are eternally grateful to the Council of Superior Court Judges who allow us to lead NJO, that's New Judge Orientation, for new Superior Court Judges and for their support of this project.
1: The opinions expressed on this podcast are our own and do not reflect the opinions of CSCJ, ICJE, the UGA College of Law, or anyone else for that matter.
0: These are barely the opinions of Wade Paget and Tane Kell, so we definitely aren't speaking for anyone else.
1: You can contact us on our website, goodjudgepod.com,
0: or send us an email at goodjudgepod at gmail.com.
1: So Tane, I guess we better bang the gavel on this episode. Anything else you feel like we need to say?
0: Only stay classy, San Diego. Thanks for listening to the Good Judge Men Podcast.